Welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, our podcast where a few booktopians get together to chat book news and the books that we've been reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasiliev and I'm joined over the airwaves once again by Joe Lewin, our head of merchandise. Hello, Joe. Hi, Nick. Uh, Shanu Prasad, our lifestyle category manager. Hello, Shanu. Hello. And lastly, Hannah Armstrong, our assistant category manager for fiction. Hello, Hannah. Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, I think it's week eight or week nine of lockdown. The, the weeks seem to all be blurring into one. I guess it depends on where you are in the country for when, when the lockdown week is. And it's, um, I'm preferring not to count. <laughs> yeah, Day it is. Time. Day to time. <laughs> it is, it is very, very strange times. Um, but and as and we are recording this on a Thursday and it's the, we've just heard that Canberra is going into a lockdown as well. So I hope everyone in the national capital is feeling okay. Um, and hopefully we'll, it'll only be seven days um, for you guys. But as with all episodes, we'll kick off by, first of all, diving into the world of book news. Then we'll be discussing the books that we've been reading and then enjoying. And then be sure to stick around to the end where my guests will once again go head to head in a battle for book supremacy that we like to call book fight. So book news this week. Um, there has been a couple of uh, announcements and uh, news related articles out there in the, in the world of books and the big news is that Time Magazine have announced their list of the top 100 YA books of all time. Hannah I'm going to throw to you first on this one. Have you had a chance to check out your list, check out this list? What are your thoughts on it? Okay so I had a bit of a peruse this morning um, and I counted up. I've only read 21 out of the whole hundred um, but as a whole, I think, like, I was reading, they did one in 2015, um, and then, like, within the past six years, obviously, the YA landscape has changed so much. They've kind of redone it to, like, what I was gathering from it. The list is now a lot, more like, more diverse in terms of, like, the authors who are, like, people of colour and people who are gender diverse and have, like, a part of the LGBT community. So I think it's a lot more diverse than it was. Um, and there are some really interesting books up there. Um, it is quite like US focused. So I think if we were to do one that was Australian, I would want to see like Melina Marquetta, James Marsden, like those kind of people. Yeah, I think there's only one Australian that got onto the list. And I think it was Marcus, Marcus Zusak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was, that was interesting. I did notice that one of my favorite authors dropped off the 2015, like dropped, was on the 2015 list and wasn't on this year. And that was um, Garth Nix. So um, and I, I feel like if I'd probably read more of the 2015 list because I'd only read 18. But in fairness to me, some I've read some of the, some books by the some of the authors, the most recent ones, but not necessarily the books they've chosen. So if I could just go by the authors that they put on there, <laughs> I would have read, probably been about the same the same as you as you had. I think personally, when I used to read YA exclusively, I read it a lot as um, escapism, and a lot of the YA that's like, you know, the stanza test of time that's really excellent is a lot more covering serious, serious subjects, um, which was not why I was reading, reading it. So, so there was, there was Jenny Han on there, but there was very few other contemporary YA fun, maybe cute romances on there, for example, <laughs> which, you know, is fair enough. But I liked that they, they went back in, like, you know, that they included books that were you know, that are not necessarily why, like what we call YA now, but like, you know, books from, you know, Anne of Green Gables and... Yes, um, well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, when I was a, a young adult, uh, YA was not a genre. Yeah. It was uh, like, you know, between the ages of 14 and 18, you read 
some kids books and some adults books yeah. and um you know there was there was no big there was no section in the bookstore for you yeah but they, they did talk about how hard it was to define what YA was and so they they did say that they just used the library definition of books aimed for people through the ages of you know year eight to year 12 basically yeah so uh, yeah but super interesting and what a great um a great thing to like at least start conversations and start like lists of books that you might have missed out on that there's great books that happened also in like the you know in the 90s and early 2000s as well that a lot of people probably missed out on or they might have yeah, like all that judy bloom that was on there that was all my favorite stuff when i was <laughs> yes. when i was young yeah um and you know all that might maybe you know were read by um you know you had to read at school or something and you know every time you have to be forced to read something at school even if it's something that's really great you don't always get to appreciate it yeah. in the right in the same way so like opportunity for um parents and also for actual just parents for kids and also just for themselves to go back and you know have a look at changes of YA over time yeah it's it is a really interesting list was there was there I was you know it's, it's interesting you're, you're touching on particular books because I was uh, the kind of the questions I was going to throw out to you guys was was there one book that really surprised you in terms of having made the list um Joe were there any that 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 stood out to you or was it all like yep these are got these are all supposed to these are all here these are all um, Look, to be honest, the majority of the list, I didn't really know who they were. <laughs> uh, I'm not the person to ask about this genre. It's not my area of expertise. Oh, yeah, I'll throw to the I'll throw to Shanu the the, uh, the YA. Oh, it was more again for me. It was like, how can you say that a book shouldn't be on a list, right? Like of best books. Like there are so. It's more like what books, you know. Um, I for, so for I looked at what books were on 2015 that I could quickly just and not that weren't on this one, and it was very interesting that Twilight was no longer yeah. <laughs> on the, on yeah. the list. But Hunger Games stayed on. So I thought that was interesting. I, I'm not saying it's good or wrong or right or anything like that. I just thought it was interesting. Mm. Um, you know, and I can, yeah, I think that they've probably, you know, they, they're trying to represent a whole bunch of things and you can represent that sort of time period, um, but uh, probably with Hunger Games just as well. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I thought. What about you, Hannah? No, there were none that I were really surprised that were there. There were a lot that I had never heard of um so I wasn't sure like if maybe I'm just ignorant but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and like I don't know I think it'd be an interesting kind of challenge to read them all but then yeah. again like it is so subjective like what are the best books of all time you know like yeah. every time I look at those lists I'm always just like oh I'm not gonna go back and read them mm. it's so. look it's it is certainly a very interesting list and uh, for all of our listeners we'll include a link uh, in the description um so you can check it out for yourself let us know what you think. Let it get back to us. Let's see if you uh, agree or disagree with any of the picks. Um, our second piece of news for the week, um, which is a very exciting piece of news, is that Dolly Parton and James Patterson are, have announced that they are working on an upcoming novel titled Run, Rose, Run, which is set for release in 2022. Joe, I know that you are a big Dolly Parton fan. What can you tell us about this, about this book? Um, look, I think I might be about to read my very first James Patterson book. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Maybe this will be uh, the beginning of a beautiful reading adventure. Um, she's amazing. I just, um, I love everything that she does. Um, I think this is really cool. Um, you know, part of me is like, oh, wouldn't it have been great if she'd like paired up with Anne Patchett or something like that. But at the end of the day, I think this is going to get lots of people reading that wouldn't read otherwise. 
Um, and, you know, what a perfect person to pair up with, you know, like he knows how to write a commercial novel and, um, and the story sounds really fun and it just sounds like a Dolly Parton song. So she um, has written 11, seven or 11, oh, I don't know, seven or 11, it's, not it's nine seven. to five, not nine or five. There you go. There you go Nick. <laughs> I was but, waiting um, for seven it. or 11. I can't remember the number. Sorry. Seven. Um, seven, right. Songs yeah. as she was writing the book and they're going to be releasing an album of those yeah. songs in conjunction with the book being released. So you can be reading it and listening to it and the lyrics, the lyrics also weave their way into the story as well. So I mean, that cool. is so genius. It's just yeah. what a great marketing, um, marketing decision that that was. She is just incredible. And apparently there was three, she, um, she kept it all under wraps as they were doing it. So she just got it like properly announced. It wasn't like leaked or anything, but um, apparently she did an interview where she talked about three the three authors that she would love to have dinner with. And James Patterson was, was one of those. So probably Who are the other ones, Shirley? Oh, um, I can't remember. Hold on a second. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Maybe James Patterson saw that and then slid into her DMs or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think uh, they've been working on it for, for ages. So I think it was um, probably that she'd already been working on it and then realised what an awesome guy he was. Because um, she was yeah. talking about how similar how similar they both they both were like they're both in their 70s they're both um you know like really successful um at what they what they do and they've like like in the entertainment business uh oh maya angelou and charles dickens oh, wow. that's, an interesting, that's, uh, that's an interesting table what of an books. interesting yeah <laughs> can you just imagine <laughs> that dinner party that's dinner party i would go to yeah, yeah. At Dolly World, yes, please. She she can do no wrong. She really can't. Yeah. It's amazing all of the stuff that she 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 tries her hand to. Um, and I reckon this this book is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. Have you guys um Have you guys seen the cover yet? No. Yeah. How good, how good is it? I had a little sneak peek this morning, really? so it'll be up on the site like as of whenever this airs. But I yeah. I think it's really cool. I really like it. I know. I I actually am like dying to read it. I cannot wait. Hopefully, we get advanced copies to read because. Yeah. But actually, although maybe I do want to wait because I won't be able to get advanced copies of the album. So I'd want like, I do want to have the full on immersive experience. So maybe That's I'll right. wait. We'll see. But yeah, totally fun. Yeah. For our listeners, I will chuck a link to that, uh, to that uh, cover in the description. So while I haven't seen it, you will be able to, to click on immediately while you're listening to this and uh, check out the cover for yourself. So yeah, really exciting. Run, Rose, Run, which will be coming out in 2022. And lastly, for our final bit of news, um, which I will briefly touch on, the Indigen Indigenous Literacy Foundation has an, an announced an on-demand program for Indigenous Literacy Day, which falls uh, Wednesday, the 1st of September this year. So this will be a virtual program uh, which will celebrate and share the stories and languages of First Nations peoples and communities across Australia through three ways. Firstly, a 25 minute event that will be done in collaboration with the Sydney Opera House's uh, digital creative learning program um, and will be hosted by uh, uh, Greg Deese and will be featuring singer Jessica Mowboy. There will also be a suite of um, 40 amazing short video stories all from First Nations authors and then lastly, a new series of pay-to-view learning workshops covering a range of topics, including graphic novel art and new uh, learning new art techniques, whatever it may be, um, it'll cover it. So these free virtual events and paid workshops will be going on live, will be going live on the international, on the Indigenous Literacy Day website from 9am on the 1st of September. So please be sure to go and check that out. Uh, it looks like Indigenous Literacy Day will be a fantastic uh, exhibition 
of all of our First Nations authors and the incredible work that they do. Uh, there will be a link to that attached in the description box. So now we're going to move on to the books that we have been reading and enjoying over the past few weeks. And I know that we've had plenty of time to do some reading uh, from us all being stuck in social isolation and lockdown. Joe, I'm going to throw to you first uh, covering this section. What have you been enjoying over the last few weeks? Uh, yeah, so I um, I have a little uh, thing that I try and achieve every year, which is to read the the book along list. Um, oh, so yes. I'm I'm deep in that now. The book along list was announced a couple of weeks ago, perfectly you know right in the middle of our lockdown. Um, and out of the thirteen books, uh, I had only read one beforehand this time. So that's lucky for me. Twelve books, uh, twelve books waiting for me. Um, the first one that I read after the announcement was uh, Second Place by Rachel Cusk, which was already on my TBR pile on my bedside table. Uh, so that was lucky. Um, and it was amazing. Shanu, I can see uh, nodding her head furiously because she's also yes. read this book. Um, look, as with most of, uh, like all of the Rachel Cusk that I've read before, it's a, it's a quiet book about situations and character um, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to have a lot in common with James Patterson and Dolly Parton because not very much happens. Basically, um, a woman and her partner um, have a second house on their property that they call the second place and an artist comes and stays there. That's the story. Um, but the characters are just so nuanced um, and the way uh, Rachel describes the the interior life of um, the main character is is just fascinating. I don't know how else to uh, describe it, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful character study. Um, you read this one as well, Shani. What did you think? I did. Um, yes. I really, I really enjoyed it. I had never read any of her books before, um, and so I did not know what to expect, except that I knew it was going to be a smart book. But it just had a um, it, for me. It just really put me into into the um, the protagonist's mind and I could really feel what she was feeling and understand, like you really forgot her point of view. And her husband just seemed like the most fascinating character. It's like, but it, I thought of her husband as like a, a, a picture where you just get like a pencil outline, but you yeah. really understand the truth and the character behind, behind um, you know, behind that just from this pencil sketch. Whereas she was more like a, um, like, you know, like an oil painting. And then like the, the painter was more like a watercolor because he was just a little bit, <laughs> a little bit wishy-washy. <laughs> so yeah. um, I thought it was really quite, you know, I, I kind of thought of it in like more visual terms as I was, as I was reading. As and I that's was a really reading. interesting point, Shani, because it's kind of, it was kind of like the way it was done is true to life, right? You know, your own internal world. And then the yes. people around you are a little bit more opaque to you. So um, it was very, in a lot of novels, they try and explore every character in the same amount of depth. And this was really, you know, it showed, it didn't totally show her partner, Tony's character. It showed how she saw him and exactly. how she felt him rather than how yeah. he really was. And I think the same with the, with the painter, you know, you see him as she sees him. And that was really, and, and her daughter as well, that character too. Um, so everything is every character in the book is seen through a lens of her experiences and her insecurities and um, yeah, really, really fascinating writing. Yeah. It's, and I must say it's a, it's a great challenge and a great way to kick straight into uh, the book, uh, 
the book a list yeah. by doing you've got a, you've got a long way to go but wow it sounds like an I amazing do, place to start yeah um and before that i just finished um speaking of uh fiction and country music crossovers um <laughs> i had i read a couple of months ago the new uh willie vlorton novel and i since have purchased all of the back catalogue that i haven't read before so i read uh willie vlorton's novel the free um so he's a um a brilliant country artist uh in richmond Fontaine and his other other works um this is a, a really amazing book about um disadvantaged america and um you know disadvantaged people lack of access to services it's really like um if you liked um books like hillbilly elegy um then uh, Willie's write, writing is, is probably great for you. Um, it's just, or even like some, someone like, uh, something like Mayor of Easttown is, is kind of um, reminiscent of this, all about uh, people doing it tough in Midwestern America. So that was really fascinating too. I'd imagine then like, it would also be in a weird way be kind of quite timely, especially because of the, of the, latest stuff that is all the stuff that has been happening in america over the last 12 months does it do you really get a sense of it is there a sense of place or a sense of history to it or does it feel like that this is kind of like that timeless american experience um no there's definitely a sense of place to it i mean this is really um all about uh yeah that that disadvantaged area of America that's kind of been forgotten in recent years. Um, that since, never recovered from all of yeah, the industry leaving. That's so, right. And I think, never really recovered from manufacturing not being around yeah. anymore, not being and able what to was get so, jobs. Yeah, and what's hard about those areas is they were successful areas. So you have this, you don't have this, it's a very different narrative where you, where in this part of America where things were very different and people have memories of their grandparents living in this different life. And hmm. so you get a really different, that's very different than reading about somewhere where it's always been poor and has always Correct. been, you know, um, never that's had, right. never you know, and, and yeah. they have parents and grandparents who, you know, if you worked hard, you could build something for yourself. And then they've tried those same techniques and, and it, nothing works for them. Um, so yeah, really fascinating, um, really fascinating read. Very, very much enjoyed. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much, Joe. It sounds like fantastic book recommendations and i'm looking forward to hearing as you work your way yeah through the, yeah. Through the book this along space. <laughs> um i'm now going to throw over to hannah um and uh i'm gonna poke your brains about the books that you have been reading and enjoying uh what have uh, where have your tastes been pushing you and pulling you yes so um last time i was on the podcast i had a big like brag about how much i was reading and then immediately <laughs> afterwards i just didn't want to read anything <laughs> <laughs> So I, I've had like a bit of a like slump, um, but I think I'm back on track as of last weekend. Um, speaking of like lighthearted YA contemporaries, I read Perfect on Paper by Sophie Gonzalez. Um, I really liked it. I, I've read um, Only Mostly Devastated by Sophie Gonzalez and I liked that, but I feel like this one is, I think more mature and more sophisticated and more nuanced. Um, it's about like a bisexual teenage girl named Darcy um, and she is in love with her female best friend um, and she also runs this sort of advice column out of like one of the lockers at her high school. 
So kids submit um, questions about like dating and relationships into the locker um, and give her like $10. So she picks them up at the end of the day and then she emails them like with a reply about like their dating life or whatever. So it's anonymous and nobody knows who she is. Um, and like six months before the events of the novel, her um, best friend had written into the locker about another girl that she was interested in and Darcy essentially like sabotaged the relationship. So if it comes out that she's the one who's behind the column, then it's going to be like, you know, all hell breaks loose. So one day she is um, caught like getting the letters out of the locker by this Australian um, guy who wants her to like help him get back with his ex-girlfriend. So that's like kind of the premise of the novel. Um, it's very diverse in terms of like queer characters. She's part of like a queer and questioning club at her high school and her sister's transgender. So there's like a, a lot of diversity. Um, it kind of goes into like the biphobia in terms of like internalized and externalized. So I thought that was a really strong point of the novel. Um, and like, you think it's gonna be, it's gonna turn out one way and then the characters surprise you. So I thought it was like a very sweet, lighthearted, rom-com um so you know if you are looking for your next lighthearted YA I highly recommend yes it's um it's it's in my TBR pile and it's moved a bit higher now after you <laughs> after talking to you about it the other day <laughs> yeah that's right yeah it was great um the other thing that I read I finished it last night and I'm deeply obsessed with it it's the final girl support group by Grady Hendrix so this one I kind of have seen doing the rounds on socials um, and I, I wouldn't say I'm a movie super fan. The premise kind of immediately grabbed me and I've definitely been buying into the whole like 80s and 90s nostalgia that's been cropping up in like film and, and TV and stuff over the past few years. A little bit of Fear Street, huh? That's exactly what it was. <laughs> after, <laughs> after I saw Fear Street, I was like, okay, so now I need to write, I need to like now read something else that is like a campy horror um, this book is such an interesting concept. So I think everybody knows the idea of like the final girl in slasher films. So like a la Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween or like Nev Campbell in Scream. Um, and like what the author's done is like imagine that there's this world where all of, so like picture like Halloween, Friday the 13th, all of those movies, they're all based on real life stories of like massacres that happened to these women who were like the last person standing. So there's six women and it's 16 years later after the eighties, I think it's set in like 2010. Um, and these six women who have all like survived these horrific traumas meet once a week. And they have done for the past 16 years in like a support group to like talk about their trauma. Um, and one day, one of the women doesn't come to the support group because she's been murdered. So like our main character is this very paranoid woman who trains really hard every day, trying to like, like paranoid about when she's next going to be attacked. So her whole life, like her apartment is a fortress. Um, she doesn't trust anybody. She like has all these like plans on plans about like what, what she's going to do when, you know, the monster finally comes and gets her. So I thought this book was going to be kind of like a psychological deep dive and it is on one hand, but it is so fast paced and like action packed. It's 
I think it's the most true like horror book I've ever read. Like it's actually horrific in some parts. I just like was like reading with kind of like bated breath. Um, but it's such a good book and I've never read anything by Grady Hendrix before, but now that I've read this and I thought it was absolutely amazing, I'm going to go back and pick up some of his backlist just because I think he, the way he writes characters is so well done. Um, yeah, I loved it. I especially think you will like it, Shanu. Yeah, well, I, I, I had really wanted to read it and then I read that it was going to be a little bit heart pounding. And mm. so um, I just want to make sure, I don't, I don't want to spoilers. I do not like spoilers, but will I be satisfied with how it ends? That's all I want to know. Yes, 1 million percent. Oh, thank God. Okay, because I can get through <laughs> all of the other stuff because, you know, I can get through it all if we can be happy that it ends in the way that it should end. Yeah, so well, the cool thing is, like, it feels like, you know, when you're watching horror movies and the... I try not the to. That's well, the whole point. <laughs> the, the frustrating thing is always when the characters just make stupid decisions and you're yes. like, why have you done this? You've ruined yes. it for everybody. Yes. But these these characters aren't like that. They're very smart and very prepared. Oh, good, but, good, but good. still, still they, they keep getting beaten at their own game, kind of, yeah. by these, like, horrific characters. Um, yeah, and I, I really wasn't expecting. There's kind of, like, three twists. Like, you, you think you've worked it all out and then it, like, turns again and then again. Oh, good, good, good. Um, that does sound excellent. Yeah, it really does feel like watching a horror movie. Okay, but so just watch it. In a fun way. Okay, so good to read in the sun on a nice happy sunny day yeah <laughs> at night by I yourself so. in the house yeah, when, okay, I, cool. when I finished it last night I was just lying there and I like turned off the light and I was like oh what is this feeling <laughs> <laughs> it's fear <laughs> brilliant that's excellent mm. uh yes definitely daytime reading for me then <laughs> yeah that's about that's it for me cool. though what a, good, what a good concept though yeah loved it I love where your where your tastes are pushing you and pulling you like Rom-com and campy horror. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I'm just so layered. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And not only that, Hannah, but I think that you had read Patricia Lockwood's Booker Long List yeah. book well before it got on the list, right? Yeah, I kind of read it before it was cool. <laughs> How is it? I really like it. I, yeah. I, I actually listened to it on audiobook, which at first I was a little bit like, this is kind of hard to follow because it's very like stream of consciousness and it's a little bit abstract. But I think she is such a good writer. She's so funny. Um, and like, it's kind of split into two parts where like she's criticizing society and like the internet and social media. And then the other half is like this really immediate like family tragedy that's happened. So it like kind of juxtaposes like our kind of monotonous life where we just like laugh at memes and everything's ironic. And then, it, you know, kind of juxtaposes it with what's really important. Um, but yeah, it was really great. And it's really short. So it's really easy to yeah. finish out. That's always a good recommendation. Mm. Yeah. I think Liv's going to like it. That's okay. Cause it's really short. So just buy yeah. it now at booktopia.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is, is that she didn't really like it. And so did, so did Liv. I think, I think Liv read it and, um, uh, she never bought back the copy, so she must have really liked it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> kept kept it. That's a, that's a, that's when you know Liv likes it when when the advanced reading copy doesn't actually make it back to the office. <laughs> it's yeah. hers now. Um, thank you so much, Hannah. Amazing, awesome recommendations. Um, and last but certainly not least, um, I will turn to you, Shanu. Um, what have you been enjoying over the last couple of weeks? So I read a lot. I uh, haven't. Uh, I've read a lot book, a lot of books. Like I think twenty two or twenty three, or a lot of. Books. <laughs> Some of them were quite short. Um, so I was like, I don't know what to talk about because I've read so many. 
What I won't talk about is the really big books that are about to come out that I've read. You know why? Everyone else is going to talk about them. So um, and I think that's great. And I think they should talk about them, but they don't need, um, they don't need being pushed, right? What needs being pushed are awesome books that not enough people might know about or may, you know, may not know about. Um, so I'm going to start. I've got three. Well, two, and then one is like a person who's written lots of books. So just talk about that as a third. So the first one I read, I read talking about short books. This was, I, I read while I was at work, um, avoiding doing something at work. <laughs> um, so I just read the whole book. Um, it was when we were mainly in lockdown, but I was still in the office because I couldn't work from home. And um, there was still one other person in the office and it was about seven o'clock at night. And I was laughing out loud, like laughing out loud, very <laughs> loudly. So he probably thought something had gone a bit wrong and I had to send him a message and be like, I'm so sorry about this. I'm just reading a book. That's, that's what's going on. The book, if you want to know, is called Several People Are Typing by um, Calvin uh, Kasuk. I think that's how you pronounce his surname. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't check it first. Um, and it is, it is the novel for our time because it is about a guy that gets, um, that gets somehow he's on Slack, the messaging, like the messaging service. So we use Google Chat. Some people use other things. I don't know what they use. But um, <laughs> Slack is, I think, pretty well known, a uh, pretty well known one that our teams often work teams will use to communicate with, with each other. And um, he somehow gets sucked into Slack. So like his <laughs> consciousness is actually inside the messaging app. So he, can, he can't access any of the rest of his computer, but he can access Slack and the things that you can see from Slack. So he starts with him messaging his, like the group going, hey, um, something's really wrong. I'm in, I'm in the, I'm in Slack. And they're like, what are you? And they're like, ha ha, that's a real funny bit you're doing there. That's really hilarious. Look, if you want to work from home, just say you want to work from home and you, you don't want to come into the office. We've got a fairly work, a fairly flexible, you know, policy. Don't, you know, don't, you don't have to make stuff up. And no one believes him, obviously. And then it's really funny because the entire, the entire book is just in written as if it was all, is all messages. And it's written exactly as if anyone has been working from home lately, exactly as um, how chats work, where you've, you've got this main chat that everyone's in that they put silly things in. Then you've got all these side chats that are happening where you're like, oh my goodness, can you believe that that's going on about these people? And it's like, it's really hilarious. And then overlaid with the fact that he's stuck in the, in the thing. Um, he finally gets a, um, he finally gets a colleague to believe him and go and he and the colleague goes to check like because he's like what's happening to my body while I'm stuck in this in this app um and it turns out his body is there it's just more like he's in a co it's like it's almost like a coma kind of situation so <laughs> the colleague ends up he so so the guy that's stuck in the messaging app um says to to his colleague I'll oh, just look I'll pay you just take my wallet like my wallet's here just just pay for whatever you need um, and then it ends up getting a bit too difficult. So the colleague ends up moving his body into his, his flat. <laughs> and so he could look after him there. And at the same time, he's actually doing, a, he's actually still working, right? So his bosses are really happy with him because he's got this great productivity because he can't go anywhere and do anything because he's in the messaging app. And they work for a um, marketing, like a marketing PR firm. And, um, and so there's all this, um, all this stuff happening and it's, it's quite, and it's just really funny. I can't, you just have to read it. It's as Sarah read it. She, she also said it was hilarious. Um, but it gets even stranger if you can believe, because then at some point the the Slack robot, cause you can imagine, you know, you know, they're going to get the help chatbots. So there's a Slack chatbot. The Slack chatbot 
actually somehow manages to do something and take over the guy's body. And so it comes into the office, but it's, it's actually the Slack bot. And so then, and then the main guy, Gerard, it's, it's starting to turn into, into the bot. So it's like his consciousness. So they, they've got to try and do this ritual to try and get him out <laughs> and swap them over. And it's just a completely absurd, but also such a great, um, such a great uh, insight into exactly what life is like right now but without being actually stuck into the inside the chat with your body in a coma. But other than that, so um, I highly recommend, uh, recommend that book. It's just a little, a little book, but it's uh, take about an hour to read, but it's so, so, so good. So, sounds Another, like black mirror. It's almost like, like, yeah, but, but funny. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> laugh out loud funny, not like horror, horror funny. Yeah. Um, the other book I read was, um, was also a surprise to me. Right. I thought, I, I, we got we got it sold in, and I was like, "That just sounds so odd. I need to know about it." It's called um, Nina Simone's Gum, and it's written by Warren Ellis, who uh, a lot of people would be familiar with as um, a frequent collaborator with Nick Cave, and um, you know uh, the uh, works with the Bad Seeds and um, his own band, whose name I've forgotten right this second, which Joe's going to tell me. Thirty-three. The Dirty Three, thank you. Um, and basically, it's got an intro from Nick Cave. The premise of the book is in 1999, uh, Warren Ellis was at a music festival that Nick Cave programmed in London where Nina Simone played. And she had been chewing some gum as she came onto stage. She sat down at the piano, took the gum out of her mouth, put it on a little hand towel that she had next to her. At the end of the show, Warren Ellis takes the gum wraps it in a tower records bag, like in, inside the, the little towel, wraps it in a bag and keeps it. 20 years later, 20 years later, um, Nick Cave is putting together an exhibition um, to start in March, 2020. So we kind of, you get this kind of sense of what's coming um, uh, to go with uh, the book that he did called Stranger, Strangers, Stranger Than Kindness. And um, he's like, oh, Warren, um, do you still have that? like that gum that from me, what happened to that? He's like, no, no, I still got it. So it begins this whole book about the process of getting Nina Simone's gum from Warren Ellis's kind of hands into, into this exhibition, um, which sounds kind of, kind of boring, but it's not boring because he also uses it as kind of a, a point to write almost a memoir. So you, he, you find out um, about, you know, how he became a musician, uh, kind of a little bit about his early life, um, really interesting, um, like how he, um, you know, the su early success he had, what it was like um, at the time, um, you know, all the drugs that he did, <laughs> things that he forgot, <laughs> um, but interspersed with um, just all these great uh, photos um, from his travels. And um, uh, it also goes into him trying to preserve this gum um, for, you know, kind of forever by getting it uh, cast in silver by uh, his friends with Anne de, uh, de who is uh, an amazing Belgian designer, um, like fashion designer. Uh, and it's just, it's just crazy, but it was actually really, really emotional. Like it was more than, it was just about connections and about the important and what like, you know, objects represent to people and memory. And um, it was, it was great. Uh, also very funny was a little exchange, so silly, but an exchange between Warren Ellis and Nick Cave about something as prosaic as whether they use Microsoft Word 
or some other program for like keeping track of something. And you just think about these two amazing, you know, musicians who are all like moody and mysterious, just having this like such boring text message conversation about, about, you know, which office program they use uh, on their computers. Um, so I highly, highly recommend, uh, recommend uh, that book. It's just, it's such a, it's, it's a really strange concept, but it really, really, really works. And Warren Ellis is a fantastic writer. Um, obviously he writes, you know, that's <laughs> what he does for a living, but um, writing a book is very different from writing songs. Um, but he, he did a great job. Um, and then very quickly, very, very quickly, the last thing I want to talk about is this incredible author that I never had heard about until I randomly came across her a couple of, uh, like a few weeks ago, um, whose name is Eve Babbitts. And um, she is like, well, they called her the fun Joan Didion. Right, so she's a West. She was a, she was born in LA. One of those rare people that were actually from LA, um, and in the fifth, she was uh, she was born in the the early fifties, and uh, her grandfather was Igor was Igor Stravinsky, and so her father was like a musician, a session musician for the movies, and her mother was an artist, and um, she she wrote, she had like she did like a whole bunch of things. She she's done album covers for bands. She was like very well known as like going out with like all of the great, um, you know, artists of the time. Um, uh, she was famously uh, linked up with Jim Morrison. Sorry, I was trying to think of, the, uh, of, of, Jim, of Jim Morrison and like, um, uh, like just all of the, all of the people that were like big in the account, in that, in that movement of the, um, of the, of the sixties. And I've read two of her books so far. Really interesting. I've read the last book that she wrote and I've read the first book, and I've read the first book that she wrote. Both of them are, you know how like autofiction is kind of a thing that people talk about, like it's a brand new thing that's kind of happening now and, you know, all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Well, that's what she was writing back in the, in the 70s, um, where she tells these incredible stories of growing up. The first book, she, the first book Eve's Hollywood, is about um, just these incredible vignettes. So each chapter is just own, like, it's like short stories, but it's called a novel, um, about growing up in L.A., and it's just incredible. It's so it's so evocative of of the time, and um, it's just it's really really fun to read. Um, and then the last book that she wrote was um, Black Swans, um, which is set sort of. Uh, she wrote it in 1993, so she has these really interesting um, takes on. She's still in like Hollywood, but she's now a lot older in Hollywood, and things have changed, and things are a little bit different, and just memories of you know where she was. She was in the, at the Chateau Marmont when the, the, you know, Rodney King riots were happening um, and they didn't even realise they were happening because she was, you know, in this, this part of LA when it was happening down there, they just could hear silence. They didn't know why. And then they found out why later on. And it's just, it's, she just writes, like, if you want to go back into time and feel like you're like at some really cool party, <laughs> uh, definitely, I would definitely recommend her. And I can't wait to read the rest of her books. And there's even a biography about her, which I'll be reading once I finish reading all of her books. So Eve Babbitt's. They were all re-released, all her books were re-released a couple of years ago, so they're pretty much all available now. So I highly recommend. Oh. They sound so good. And um, if, I, if I didn't have a reading project underway right yeah. now, I would definitely be getting into that. So I think I should order them all so that I can have a nice yeah. big stack ready for yeah. when I finish. Uh, I think you'll, I finish need, you'll need a change of pace and this will give you that change of pace, I promise you. Yes, I will. Oh, yes, can I, I just tell you the most embarrassing thing too about, oh, 
this is right. This, I put it out of my mind. The, Are you going to tell us a really embarrassing thing? You know that this is like a public uh, conversation. That's totally fine. This is being recorded. Yeah, I know that. So <laughs> tell everyone. About it. So the, I, I was like, why? Why did I find out about her? Where did it come from again? I was I was googling the fact that Gossip Girl <laughs> reboot was starting. <laughs> And there was a picture of a character that Sarah and I like to talk about as like the new Luke Perry because he's 26 and he's playing a 16 year old and he's actually older in real life than most of the teachers in the show. Anyway, so he's lounging on something out you know, in the courtyard or the quadrangle of the school and he's holding a copy of Black Swan. And I just was like, oh, what's that book? And then I just Googled the book and it just went from there. So you can thank Gossip Girl reboot. Gossip for Girl <laughs> is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I love that. That's a great recommendation. It reminds me of like Taylor Jenkins' read, like Daisy Jones and the Six. Have you read that? Yes, I have. I have read that. And this is even better because it's real. Because the thing is, right, yeah. she's writing these stories and she's not, most of the time she won't say the real names, but she's writing stories of her life. And these are some like, well, crazy things that are happening. That sounds great putting on the list it's, it's always great when you when you come across when you discover a, a new author and that you, that you knew nothing about and then suddenly you have a whole catalogue to dive into exactly um, like all of us today i think it's been good indeed thank you so much you and thank you everyone what fantastic recommendations this week all of them amazing and really fun quirky absolutely love it um, however, we now move on to the final part of the show. Yes, I know it's famous or like popular slash least popular part of the show. It is time for book five. I thought again. if I talked a lot, we wouldn't have time for it. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I know, I know Sarah's wanted to try and play that, play that card. Like, yeah, it's gone too long. We can't do it anymore. Sorry. Always um, managed to fit it in. <laughs> Um, I will need a buzzer for each of you. Hannah, what shall your buzzer be? Girl. Girl? <laughs> I think that was my, my buzzer, like in the previous podcast as well, when I was reading I had girl in the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it works. It does the job. Simple to yeah. the point. Um, Joe, what shall yours be? Uh, Dolly. Dolly, yes, please. Oh, love it. Shinu? Hollywood. Yes. Fantastic. Not Dollywood, just Hollywood. <laughs> I, heard, I heard Dollywood. So yeah. did I, I also for a second. Heard okay, I'll change mine then. You can, I'll, just change it to, I'll just change it to Eve. Eve, I like it. Cool. Yeah, there we go. Make it so it's not confusing. Excellent. All right, let's dive in and play a round of book fight. Question one. For one point each, give me the titles of both cookbooks by Australian chef Josh Nyland. Uh, Dolly. Yep. Come on, Shani. <laughs> no, Nick is very actually cruel coming up with this question because he, yesterday we were in a meeting where I <laughs> the, the book name wrong four times. So, <laughs> because that wasn't the intention. Very bad at saying the book so name is correct when there's more than one word in the title. Sorry, Sorry. that was not the intention. Actually, uh, as a form of workplace bullying. That's <laughs> right. uh, that was pointed. No, okay. no. Uh, it's uh, Take One Fish and The Whole Fish Cookbook. Yes, those are the two answers I was looking for. Two points to Joe. Well done. And Take One Fish, there are signed copies still available at Booktopia, so be sure to grab a copy of that. And I'm sorry, Shanu, that was not aimed at you directly. <laughs> sure, sure. Sure, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I just call them the red one and the white one. That's how I do <laughs> Question two. What is the name 
of the new upcoming book from Clementine Ford. Girl. Uh, Dolly. Oh, I heard girl first. Sorry, Joe. I heard girl first. Yes, Hannah? It's like why we love or who we love. I'll, gi- I'll give that to you. It's how we love, but you pretty much got three quarters of it. <laughs> how we love. Uh, I don't think cool. that was it. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, That's how we're going to roll, is it? Good to know. No. Good to know. It's yeah. Close. I was half right. If it wasn't right. You would have gotten it right with the red one and the, blue and the white one. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a half point. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's sometimes if they get three quarters or two thirds of it, I mm. you, you have to give it to mm. them. We can't, mm. we can't be too cruel. Sure. Um, <laughs> question three: um, Shelley Parker Chan's new fiction novel, *She Who Became the Sun*, is a potent queer reimagining of the beginnings of which Chinese dynasty? <laughs> yes, I know that was like a tough one there. Right, <laughs> oh, Dolly. Yep. I'm going to say the Qing. No, it is Hell. not the Qing dynasty. It sounds, very, it sounds very similar. Yes, Hannah? Is it Ming? It is the Ming dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to, and I didn't, yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Pick a dynasty, any dynasty. Pick a yeah. dynasty, any dynasty. <laughs> I really want to read that, by the way. It's I want awesome. to read that too, even yeah. though that's probably not characteristic uh, Joe Lewin reading material. I do want to read it. I don't know. I, I can see. I can I love see Chinese history, and yeah. you know how I love a bit of historical fiction, whether it's highbrow, middlebrow, or yeah. on the lower side of the brow. Well, make sure you get a copy of Lauren uh, Lauren Groff's Matrix. Yes. Yes. Didn't talk about it, but incredible. Liv will have talked about it, so I'll leave it, leave it for her. Question four: Which Australian crime novel takes place in the fictional village of Shacktown? Oh, I know this one, but I can't remember. Eve, Eve, Eve. <laughs> now let's hope that I don't do the thing where I did, where I still got the title wrong last time when I was even talking to Kyle, even though I'd read both his books and loved both of them. And somehow I still managed to name the wrong book because that is my superpower. I think it is actually The Deep. It is The Deep. You are absolutely yep. correct, Shanuza. Well done. Um, yes, uh, question five. And for this question, I will suspend the buzzer. Um, you just shout out the answers where you can because there are multiple answers. For one point each, name as many titles as you can from the great, recently late, Mo Hader. Who? Mo Hader. Uh, the other half of you? Yeah, I've got the other... I haven't got the other half of you here on the list. Is that right, though? Is that mm-hmm. You're thinking of the the um, crime. Thinking of someone else. She, yes. she wrote, yeah, really horrific crime books, but was a very lovely person. And yeah, that was yeah, that's right. I'm thinking of somebody else. Which is why I don't know any of them because I don't read really horrific crime books that make me scared and not be able to. <laughs> What's the? Is there like a series title? There is a series. There is a series title. I'm happy to to give you a point if you can name the series title. Oh no, I don't know what I was asking for. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone want to have a crack yeah. at all? It's a, yeah. I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. Uh, the series title you're talking about is the Jack Caffery series. Oh, okay. Any no. I mean, there are people in our in our team that have read her books and um, absolutely thought they were incredible. So it's not that she's not known, but just it's very specific genre of books that unfortunately you've got a panel of people. Yeah. That yes. <laughs> I don't think we're the crime crew. No, I'm sorry. I, I mean, should I, I should have got Sarah on here for that not, one. Not, 
not scary crime. Just more <laughs> yeah, sorry, scary. I had to Google yeah. who she was. <laughs> Deadly crime. So the answers I would have accepted, um, it was Birdman, The Treatment, Ritual, Skin, Gone, Poppet, Wolf, Tokyo, Pig Island, Hanging Hill, and then she has another book coming out next year, which she wrote under the pseudonym of Theo Clay, which is called The Book of Sand. Yeah, so, the one that's different, for, set in another world. Yes. I know, I can tell you all about, about her, I just couldn't tell you any of the names of her books, because <laughs> basically we could have just said words and we probably would have hit, hit one of them eventually. <sighs> All good though. We've put, we've crossed the halfway point uh, in book fight. Currently, Joe is on two points. Hannah is on two points. Shanu is on one. Oh. Yes, yeah, so it is quite close. Question six. What is the name of the new series premiering on Hulu based off of Leanne Moriarty's famous uh, book? Dolly. I had a Dolly first. I heard Dolly first. Yes? Uh, nine Perfect Strangers. You would be absolutely correct. It is Nine Perfect Strangers. Starring Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCartney, among many, many, many others. McCarthy. McCarthy, sorry, my bad. I said McCarthy. Oh, God dang. Question seven. For two points, name the upcoming Ottolenghi title. Ah, uh, Dolly. Yep. Ah, oh, no, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's good because it. Self love. Yes, it is shelf love. I'll give that to you. Shelf love is the is the answer. Is that um, correct, or you'll give it to me? No, no, no it, it's the, it is the actual answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> the series I'll give is that test to you. I'm like, what? Yeah, the series I'll is test kitchen, but the first book is called Shelf Love. Yes, it is. Right. Ottolini Test Kitchen. That's what shelf threw love. me. I was like, I know yeah. this one because I can see it in my mind. But yes. yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, it, it, would anyone be able to be willing to have a, uh, tell me who the person uh, Ottolini is collaborating with? Noah, I don't. I can't remember her surname. Right, this second. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give that. I, I'm happy to give that to you. It's, give uh, me half a point again. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just have the half a name. Noah, Noah, Unless it's like Shara Madonna, who only have one name, then that's fine. She <laughs> <laughs> has two names, so that's bad that I only remember the first, the first half. Yeah. So finally, we come to the final question, uh, which is for three points, and a bonus two points are on offer if you can name the author before I name their first book. And currently it is still open and up for grabs right now. So uh, who knows what will happen? So this is, this is likely a winner take all scenario. Who am I? And do not say Nick. I was born in England in 1953 and moved to Australia at age 16. I showed a passion for writing from a young age and in the 1970s enjoyed a stint writing for the popular Norman Gunston show. However, the 1980s saw me hit my stride as a household name when I published my first book, The Other Facts of Life, then gained worldwide attention for my controversial second novel that addressed the topic of AIDS. Two weeks with the Queen. With the, in the 1990s, oh. I earned further acclaim. Yeah. Oh. Really? Morris Gleitzman. Yes, it is Morris Gleitzman, yes. <laughs> that was the Queen was about. I don't remember. I read it when I was like eight. <laughs> that was such a good way to answer that. <laughs> really? That's what he was telling me about. That's what I was looking at the... I didn't realise that, that, that he was, you know, that old. <laughs> to be honest. Oh no, he was yeah. It's he's he's sixty eight this year. His, oh, his okay, that's oh, he's my maths is really bad. That's younger than I thought. <laughs> when I thought fifties, I'm like, oh yeah, seventy seven or something. 
Yeah, it's well. Look, it's he's he's been around forever, and he's got a new book coming out this year. Um, actually, very soon, uh, which is his, his book always as well. But yes, Morris Gleitzman is the answer, and that brings us to the end of book fight for this week. And it was a very close one. Let's have a look at the scores. Oh my goodness gracious me, Hannah, you finish off with a respectable two points. Chanu, well done. You earned four points. Joe, you take the win with five. Well done, Joe. Well done. That's my best uh, ending ever coming yeah. second, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> it was a solid effort. It was good. It was good. I feel, I, I now, I now feel incredibly horrible for that Josh and Island one. It was not, I feel awful about oh, that. It's fine. <laughs> That's why I don't um, win. I never remember anything. <laughs> um, but that will bring us to the end of the Weekend Booktopian for another week. Thanks to my guests for joining us. And please be sure to check out all of the books that we have mentioned today down in the description box. The Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Wasiliev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple podcasts or SoundCloud channels, including our recent interview with Tilly Lawless, author of Nothing But My Body. Also be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you cannot get enough of chatting to authors, head to the Booktopian blog curated by Olivia Frico, where you can read articles that are pushed every single day, including our latest selection of listicles covering the upcoming titles of 2021 for fiction, nonfiction, young adult, and more. Thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au